Well, uh, I want to continue today with our message I've been sharing about on how we're, how we're tempted. And uh, we haven't talked a lot about that uh, in, in, in the past, but we are tempted to, to, to fear. We are tempted to doubt. We are tempted to disobey. And last week I shared how we're tempted to be offended. And um, offended with God and offended with ourselves, offended with other people. And I showed you from the Bible how often uh, when people get offended when they don't understand something. Something happens, God did something or didn't do something that you thought he would do, and it didn't happen the way you expected, and we get offended with God, and it's because we didn't understand why this happened or why this didn't happen. And that's why it's important for us to gain understanding. We get understanding through God's Word and God's Spirit. And His Word, his word and His Spirit reveals truth to us. It's not a truth that will, uh, time will surpass it. It's a truth that surpasses the test of time. So God's Word is truth, and the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. So that is how we're going to know truth. It isn't going to be, um, it isn't relevant for today. It doesn't change with philosophies of time. God's Word is truth, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. He is truth. He is the way, the truth, and life. No one can come to the Father except through His truth, the revelation of His truth. So today I want to continue talking about how we are tempted to be offended, like the people that just left already were. Uh, <laughs> just. Just kidding, I know they have a, a funeral to go to, I'm just joking. But, um, but we, we attempted to be offended, but we're going to look at it again <clears throat> excuse me, from a slightly different angle. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 10, he said, And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. And then the Amplified Version, it uses, you know, it's amplified, it uses a lot more words. It says, Then many will be offended and repelled, and will begin to distrust and desert him who they ought to trust and obey, and will stumble and fall away and betray one another and pursue one another with hatred. So Jesus said in the last days, many will be offended, they'll be repelled, they will desert, they will distrust, and after that, they will, be, they will betray one another and pursue, pursue one another, even with hatred. But all these things begins with offense, being offended. Okay, so the enemy can get you offended. He has you on the pathway of desertion, betrayal, and hatred. You say, come on, Pastor, that's not true. Well, Jesus said it, so I'm sorry. Uh, he is the way, the truth, and the life. It is true because he said it. That's the only reason it's true. So if, he can get, if the enemy can get you offended, you are on the pathway of desertion, betrayal, and hatred. Maybe not towards God, but in some relationship, you're on that pathway. You know, God doesn't want you to have that in any of your relationships. And there's some relationships that aren't safe, and for violent reasons and things like that, they aren't safe to be in. And I'm not referring to those. I'm talking about family. I'm talking about friends. I'm talking about neighbors that did something, said something, whatever happened, and all of a sudden we get offended. Then we desert them. We don't want to be around them. We, and uh, some people even betray them with even hatred. I've heard stories even in the mountains here of, of brothers that lived side by side and didn't speak for 30 years. Okay, that, that um, is the bait of Satan. That is the enemy that does that. Here, they lost 30 years relationship with a sibling, with blood relative over some offense. So it's important to know that the enemy is tempting us to get offended. When you're, offenses will come. The Bible says that too. Offenses will come. Woe to who through they come. But it's important to know that we're going to be tempted in a variety of ways to get offended. If you're not offended by this person, well, guess what? The enemy will send you somebody else. And then this guy, and then this guy. Eventually, he'll try to find someone that can get on your last nerve to do something that gets you upset. And, uh, and it, it can work, right? But the, the issue isn't that person. The issue is your heart. The issue is my heart. Can I still love when that person is treating me like garbage? 
Can you still love when someone treats you like trash? Okay, so John Bevere wrote this book. Don't worry, Gerald, I'm not going to share about this book. <laughs> John Bevere wrote this book called The Bait of Satan, and uh, we've shared it here in Sunday school many times over the years, and seemed like, I remember Gerald saying, don't ever read that book again. You need to get rid of that book. Every time we read that book in Sunday school class, the whole church blows up with something. something someone gets offended over something, and something happens. But uh, I'm not going to share the book, but in the book, John Bevere says that offense is the bait of Satan. It is the bait that he uses. So, you know, in order to, a bait is used to lure someone away from something into some other place. And so I brought some fishing lures today, and I might need my handy-dandy assistant, Jordan, to remember what some of these are called. And you did take the hooks out of these, right? So most of them, you left a few for me. So we get this cute little guy here. He probably won't catch too much because he's got a little keychain tag to him. But, uh, but they, they make these lures today so realistic and so I mean it's really set to deceive the fish right so let me get this guy I think there is a hook in this maybe okay yes there is all right what is this Jordan this is a jig ow this is a jig he jigged me and uh what are you going to try to catch with this guy this is for bass fishing all right you guys see that you guys you guys any fishermen here all right I'm holding it gently I'm going to get a couple more in here. Well, then we got a spinner in here. And they're attracted when, this, when you pull the line in. This part spins right here, and it attracts them. The, the, mo the movement attracts them, but also the sun hitting on the, the metal attracts the fish to come over to look and see what, this thing, what it is they're seeing. So this one's called a, a spinner. All right. Then I got this guy here with the yellow nose and the whatever. What's this one, Jordan? This one's a jerk bait. Oh, that's the one you twitch them. And just like, you just twitch them, they make them... Like, it looks like they got some kind of brain injury, and they're going like this when they're in the water, like an injured fish, so that the bigger fish will come up and try to, thank you, Taylor, will come up and try to um, bite them. And then we have this big guy here. Jordan had another one that was even bigger than this. It was like a $150 bait that he got for free. But um, what's this guy called? Just a big swim bait. Okay? So you hook the hook things here, and you just pull along. This is made to attract some fish, so it looks real. It looks pretty real, and you go along, and it comes up, and all of a sudden they bite the fish, and then something else happens when they bite the fish. They come into a big hook. And you know, the enemy does the same thing with different bait. If he can't lure you with this personality, if he can't lure you to attract you with that personality, this person, this type of person, that person, he will bring somebody somehow into your life through work, through family, through something that will just absolutely rub you up one side and down the other, that just, mm, just grates on your last nerve. You're like, oh, God, if I have to spend another moment with that person, I'm going to scream or whatever. And you know what? Your heart is being tested. It's not about the person. It's not about their smell. It's not about their looks. It's not about their behavior. It's not about their abrasiveness. It's about you. Okay, the enemy's trying to use that bait to lure you out to bite that hook, line, sinker. And you get that thing stuck way down your throat. Oh, and the only way to pull it out, often those fish die and get it down that far. And the devil wants to take you out. And his number one way he does it is with, with lures and with through people. So um, our enemy does the same thing. So he will try different flavors, different colors, flashy spinners, and every kind of bait to try to get you to be offended. Amen. He'll use race. He'll use religion. He'll use 
any topic you can think of. If we can get offended by it, if we can get offended with this people group or that people group or whatever, we won't pray for them anymore because we're too offended. We can't pray for them because we, we end up hating them because when you get offended, it brings hatred. Just like Jesus said, it brings hatred. Amen? Amen. Oh, me. Stop meddling. Um, I'm only saying this because I love you guys. And, you know, if you want to have a healthy heart towards people, you're going to have to have a healthy heart towards yourself and not bite the bait when the enemy brings it your way. So when you're going fishing and the fishing's going really good and you got this one bait on, you got some worms on, you got some corn on or something, it's going really good, you're catching a whole bunch of fish, you might be thinking, man, these fish are really dumb. They're going for this every time. These guys are dumb. And, you know, no offense to younger people, but the younger fish are usually the dumber ones that you usually catch first. And then the older ones, they're the ones that get bigger and fatter and whatever, they're a little smarter. They've gone through some, probably been caught before, maybe released by the nice fishermen that don't want to do all the work to eat them. And so uh, they learn from those lessons that I don't want to get hooked again because it hurts. Okay? So um, we go fishing, but also I think the enemy thinks sometimes when he's using these easy baits, like your family, like your mother, your dad, or somebody, he uses these easy baits, and we fall we fall to the temptation under those easy baits. He's like, man, these guys are so dumb. They're so dumb. Not to call anybody dumb, just, just saying, we can be dumb. We can, when we're falling for his bait, we're not, we're not being wise. And he'll use flat, he's not going to use this flashy, obvious bait to try to lure you in. It's going to look real. It's going to look like your family member, a coworker, or something. It's going to look just as real as some of those baits there. But if he can get you, it, it, the point is to deceive you, right? The point is to deceive the fish and trick them into thinking it's actually a fish. It's actually something for them to eat. But when they bite it, they end up dying or just about dying. So offense will come through family. It will come through friends, coworkers, your pastor. He can say something. I can say something that you just didn't like. Maybe it was my flesh. Maybe it was the word. And either either one of the ways it comes out, it can be offensive to somebody. And once you get offended, we're on that pathway of desertion, hatred, and pursuing people even with hatred, the Bible says. So if the enemy gets us offended, we're on that pathway. And I don't want you to be offended. I don't want you driven away. I don't want you deserting. I don't want you betraying me or anyone else or each other, and I don't want you hating one each other, but sadly, Jesus said it's going to happen. I don't really like that verse. I, there's ver- some verses in the Bible I just don't like, you know, I mean, the sad ones. I really like the faith ones and the, the joy ones and all those ones, but some of the other ones, I, I, they're hard sometimes because you, you don't know who they're referring to, and it can be difficult, but I want to show you an example from Scripture. This is the same text I used last week, but I'm going to show some different points from it. But uh, John 6, 53-71, it says, starting with, well, just um, 50-59, Jesus teaches basically disciples that they have to drink his blood and eat his flesh. And if they do, they'll have eternal life living in them. That's the first part of that. In verse 60, he goes on and says, Therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? See, their lack of understanding caused offense. In 61, When Jesus knew in himself that the disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? And then 66, and from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. So they're offended at something they didn't understand. Then they deserted him, they got offended, and they left him. Then he went to the the 12, in verse 67, says, do you want to go away also? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. 
Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose twelve? Choose you the twelve? And one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the twelve. Uh, Judas and Peter are the only disciples mentioned here in this portion of Scripture. And uh, there's many more than that. There was many more than the twelve that were there, but it only mentions those two. Peter, for something that he said really well, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And it mentions Judas. doesn't say what he said. just says that he was the betrayer. He was the one that was going to betray him. And I think that Judas was probably the one, one of the ones that was in the grumbling and complaining crowd and spreading the grumbling complaining. Can you believe this guy? He, who does this guy think he is? He, he, he literally wants us to drink his blood? He wants us to eat his flesh? Who, who does this guy think? Is he crazy? I'm telling you, there's something not right with this guy. And he started spreading these stuff to people and spreading this gossip, this slander and things. He was offended over something. He didn't even have a clue what he was talking about. Obviously, we know today he was talking, referring to spiritual things. But I think he was one of the ringleaders in grumbling and complaining. And that's why his name's mentioned here. He, he brought it up, brings it up here. So um, we do not know for sure, but it looks likely that it, he was offended. And that is why, later that, why he brought up why G. Uh, Judas was the one that was going to betray Jesus. It started with offense. Let me show you another example. Matthew 26, 6 through 9. It says, When Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, now this would be some kind of uh, fellowship meal at this house, okay? At this house, we got Simon who was a Pharisee, and he used to be a leper. Now he's healed. They wouldn't have been there if he was still a leper, right? But he was still known as Simon the leper. And also Lazarus was there who was raised from the dead. Imagine sharing these stories. I was healed of leprosy. I used to like, well, guess what? I was dead for three days, man. My body was stinking. I mean, I was like in the grave. And it just, around that table, they would have some good stories to share. But uh, verse 7, a woman came in, came to him having an alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil. And she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, why this waste? For this fragrant oil might have been sold for a for much and given to the poor. Now the word indignant is translated a sore or displeased in other scriptures, but the dictionary says it means a feeling or showing of anger or annoyance at what is perceived as unfair treatment. Wow. Have you ever been uh, indignant? Man, stop your lying now. You'll make me indignant right now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But it says, a feeling or showing of anger or annoyance at what is perceived as unfair treatment. What is that? It's offense. You're offended because this worked out for this guy this way, that didn't work out for you this way, this person was hired for the job and not you, this happened or that happened, and we get offended or indignant. We're perceived as something was unfair treatment. And Judas, or well, I'm giving away my little uh, hint there, but it might have been Judas. We'll come to that in a minute. But somebody was offended. The disciples were offended at how this oil was poured over Jesus' head and said it could have been sold for a lot of money and given to the poor. So in John's version of this story, it says, John 12, 4 through 6, it says, But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief, and he had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. Judas was the treasurer, and Jesus didn't fire him. 
Because you know why? Jesus didn't have a poverty spirit. Just a side note, I just want to say that, but <laughs> that was fun. But anyway, uh, he was a treasure. He helped himself to the funds. He didn't care about the poor. He cared about himself. He was like, oh man, that oil, that could have been 300 denarii. That's almost a year's salary for some people. 300 days of wages. And it was poured out in a moment on Jesus' head. And he was offended because he perceived that this offering given to Jesus wasn't being used properly. It should have been done this. It should have been done this way or that way. And you know what? We can get offended when things aren't done, even in church or in home or in family, when things weren't done the way we perceive they should have been done. You know, Judas couldn't have been further off from the truth. He couldn't have been further off from what he did here. So remember, indignant means a feeling or showing of anger or annoyance at what is perceived as unfair treatment. You know, your perception and my perception can be wrong, can it? You ever judged your kids thinking they did this or that? And then later when you heard the whole story, you're like, oh, I've probably done that to Taylor more than all the kids probably maybe put together because it looked so much like this. And then he told me the whole story. I'm like, I thought he couldn't have made that up if he wanted to. I'm like, wow. And my perception and my fear gets in there and my, my mind of my own track record of things I've done in my past, whatever, like maybe they were doing this or that or something. And, you know, it, our perceptions can be wrong. And Judas' perception was wrong. And I don't imagine that Judas began the ministry walking with Jesus as a thief. When he first started, I don't think day one, maybe he was healed of something, maybe his family members healed. We don't know how he was called in the ministry. But he was called, and I don't think on day one he was offended and he was stealing from Jesus. I think it happened little by little. A little here, a little there, take a little bit of this, shave a little off of that, change the books a little bit here, a little bit there. No one will ever know. I'll just do this secret thing over here and, and just I can get by with it. And guess what? Jesus knew the whole time. It didn't trick Jesus. He was tricked himself. It didn't trick Jesus, but he still didn't fire him. And I would like to suggest that he started stealing from the Lord after he got offended at the Lord. After he got offended over the drink my blood comment, eat my flesh comment, he got offended with him for maybe how he was handling the funds, how he was doing this and how he was doing that. He got offended with him, and he started helping himself to the books and to the money. So um, his heart was hardened because he didn't understand the multiplication of the fish and bread we looked at last week, and he was probably offended over Jesus' generosity. Imagine God loves a cheerful giver, a generous giver. So imagine how generous Jesus was with the funds that came in to his hands. He probably would empty the purse often, just, just dump it all out. And Jesus would be like, oh, I was planning on taking some of that for myself later. And Jesus probably dumped it all out on this person or this widow or that person and blessed them. There's not a lot of those stories recorded, but we know throughout the Bible God was like that. So we know Jesus was like that. He's a generous giver. So he was offended with how he, he perceived if Judas was in charge, he would have handled it this way. He would have done it that way. And you know what? We can do that. Our pride can get puffed up. We can get puffed up think this person to do it my way, and my way has to be the right way. So because they did it different than me, I get offended. And you know what offense is? It's one of those lures. You know, it's one of those lures, one of those baits trying to take us away. So over time, our hearts can become a little hardened over things we don't understand. And our hearts can be hardened by offenses and things we perceive as unfair. This wasn't fair. 
How do you know the job you didn't get that day wasn't God protecting you from a whole bunch of life of junk that you didn't want you to get involved in? How do you know that he didn't protect you from being around this girl who would have flirted with you and caused you to commit adultery? How do you know he didn't protect you from a car accident that might have happened on the road if you took that job or driving to work? How do you know? It's we got to trust God and not be offended with people. Trust God. He is our source, our supply. What can man do to us? Amen? It's, we have to take it to God, and when we let God deal with this stuff, God is the one that promotes you. And when God promotes you, you don't have to go try to sell yourself out and, and do these backside deals and promote yourself and put someone else down to make yourself look good. You can just stand and humble yourself under God's mighty hand. He will exalt you in due season when you're ready for it, when your heart can take the promotion. When your heart's not ready for promotion, it can crush you. It can hurt you. More people fall through promotion and blessings than they do when they're working their way up that ladder. So someone comes along or uh, and someone comes along and they worship Jesus in an extravagant manner and we can get offended. We can get offended at someone else's worship. And we are offended by someone else's passion in comparison to our lack. Have you ever been there? Now don't shake your head yes or no. This is a this rhetorical question because I don't want I don't want to I don't know, but you know, when things happen in your life, work, home, family, and you don't understand, your heart starts to get a little hardened. It happens. And when your heart gets a little hardened, our connection with the Lord kind of gets a little disconnected. Not severed, you're not losing your salvation, but it just gets a little hardened there. And you know, you come into worship, and the week before, you might have been the guy in the front row with your hands up, and the dancing, and the shouting, and the woo and praise God, and all that stuff. And over a little bit over time, you're in the back, well, I shouldn't say the back row, because it makes you, <laughs> not the back row, but you're not where you were before, wherever that is, not portion of the church building in the front, but you're just in your heart, you're not where you were the week before, because something happened in the week that offended you. And then over time, something else happens, then something else happens. Your heart gets more hard and more hard. And then all of a sudden, someone comes up in the front, and they worship in the way that you used to worship. Are you with me? They worship the way you used to worship. They worship the way... You did before your heart got hurt and offended. And guess what happens? You get offended by them. It happens in church. It's happened in this church before. I mean, it has. I was here, and I saw it, and it was ugly, really. But our hearts can get hardened to things we don't understand. And when it does, our, our connection with God kind of gets tough. It's hard. We used to hear him so clearly. Or we used to uh, get up some morning, first thing I remember, Jesus, I love you. I worship you. You are a God. And then if your heart gets hard, like, oh, man, I got 25 minutes to get to work. I guess I better get up and go. And uh, our heart needs to become tender again. If you've been offended with God, or let's say if we judge people that worship in a more passionate way than we do, we're judging people the same way Judas judged this lady. You know, he, what a waste. What a waste. And Jesus didn't say it was a waste. Jesus said, what this woman done was beautiful. What she did will be, every time the gospel is shared, what she did for me today will be spoken throughout the course of time, throughout history. And sometimes what we perceive as this person just showing off over here, they're, they're just wanting to be seen by people over here, or, or they're just causing a big scene in their worship, or whatever it is. And I'm not saying you all have to jump and dance and shout and whatever, but it's what you need to do what God asked you to do. I will say that. You do need to ask, do what God asks you to do. And if we're not doing what God asks us to do, our hearts become hard. Right? Are you here? So, um, so you can be judged, like, look at the person, like, 
They shouldn't be dancing like that. They need to be more sophisticated. They need to be more dignified. Who do they think they are? You know what happened? Our heart has become hard like Judas's, and we're judging someone else's worship based on our own hardness of heart and not through how it's received by Jesus. He wasn't thinking about how it affected Jesus or how she was honoring him with everything she had, pouring it all on him, sparing nothing back. Yeah, it was a year's wages, but it was a year of her wages, not Judas's wages. She poured it out on him. She gave it to Jesus because he had forgiven her of all these sins, and she, she'd been forgiven, and she just wanted to bless Jesus with it. And when you get a revelation how much you've been forgiven for, sometimes you just want to pour out your worship and not hold anything back. And sometimes in church, uh, I think some of us are holding back our worship because we're afraid of those, like, myself or someone else, their heart might have become hardened over time, that we're not jumping, dancing, spinning, or whatever, because we've gotten used to our oil. We've got used to our flask being maybe half full or three-quarters full, and we don't want to dump it out. We've got to hold it back. We might need some for later. I'm not trying to meddle. I'm just saying I want, to, I want us to touch our hearts here. What, the very thing that you used to be passionate about, are you still passionate about it? I mean, in the book of Revelation, it's talked about um, about the love of many growing cold. It talks about uh, the city of brotherly love, talking about they've left their first love. They've gone on to something else. And so I just want us to be sensitive that when we're judging someone else's worship, this isn't a current thing going on. It's just I'm getting this from the text. But when we judge something, how someone else is worshiping, um, how it affects us, how it makes us look, how it makes us feel, we need to judge on how is Jesus receiving this worship. You don't know if that person's being a phony or a fake, and guess what? You don't need to know. If you're busy worshiping Jesus like you're supposed to be, you don't have to entertain those thoughts. Okay? We don't know if they're putting on a show, if they're insecure, if they want to be seen by a man, but when you judge them, you're judging like Judas. You're not judging like Jesus. Amen? Amen. Pastor Ryan, that was a good word. I mean, it wasn't a fun word, but it was a good word. Let me, let me, uh, I don't, I'm not saying there's a Judas here. I'm just saying it's that same style of judgment. He judged what he perceived as unfair. He got indignant. And he said, why this waste? Let's go on to Matthew 26, verse 10. But when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, Why do you trouble this woman, or leave her alone? For she has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, but me you do not always have. For in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Do you want your worship to be remembered as a memorial for God? Then we need to start, stop caring about what each other thinks. And if it's going to offend this person if I dance or shout, or if they might be scared or they might freak out, or they might think I'm a phony, they might think I'm trying to uh, gain attention to myself, they might think that they're trying to get Pastor Ryan's attention so they may put him in a leadership position. or Who knows what kind of thoughts the enemy uses, but he's creative, right? And he can get us to be offended with those and uh, people with passion. We can, be, we can judge them, uh, not right. So look what happens next. The very next verse, after, after Jesus corrects Judas for his bad heart, his bad attitude, the very next thing that happens, verse 14, Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. So from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. The very next verse, after he was offended at the woman's worship, after Jesus corrected him for being offended at her worship, he said, well, I'll show him. 
I'm going, I'm going to tell, I'm going to, I'm going to partner with the Pharisees. I'm going to partner with the Romans. I'm going to partner with them and betray him for 30 pieces of silver. That's the price, according to Exodus 21, that's the price that, w- that was paid to redeem slaves. It was not a large sum of money. For 30 pieces of silver, he betrayed the Son of Man, even with a kiss. He leads them with clubs and swords into the Garden of Gethsemane where they were praying. He leads this Roman soldiers. This is a great multitude of them. He leads them. Then he walks up to Jesus, and, he said, and Jesus says to him, Why are you here, friend? He, know, he knows why he's there. He already told them earlier what was going to happen, but he still called him friend. And then he kisses him on the face, and he says, Are you going to betray the Son of Man with a kiss? The whole time, Jesus had time and time and time again to be offended with Judas and offended with other people. But even at that moment, the moment he's about to be arrested and taken to the cross, his heart was still good between man and God. He still cared for Judas. He still called him friend. So um, we need to tend to our heart because out of our heart flow the issues of life. Amen. Amen. So... um, Judas first was offended, then he was repelled, then he distrusted maybe how Jesus was handling the money, then he deserted, he fell away, he betrayed Jesus, and he pursued him down with hatred, even partnering with the Pharisees and the Romans. The exact thing Jesus said in Matthew 24.10 would happen in the last days happened exactly in Jesus' life through Judas and other people. Amen? So my question is, are you aware of the enemy's lures that he's trying to use on you? The spinners, the topwaters, the, the worms, the whatever he's using, the corn, the bread, whatever kind of fish, artificial or whatever bait you like to use. Are you aware that the bait of Satan is offense and it comes through people? How many dead people are you offended with? Probably not too many, right? <laughs> right? It's people. Maybe through a coworker. Maybe it was a business partner. You had some business deal. And they agree to this or they agree to that, and all of a sudden they pull the rug out and they change the terms and change something, and you got the short end of the stick. Maybe from your mother-in-law, because she's meddling into your business or something like that. Guess what? It's a test. It's a test. The enemy's not your mother-in-law. It's not your coworker. It's the enemy is the enemy. He's trying to offend us. Maybe a cousin, an uncle, an aunt, a friend. But the, the whatever lure the enemy will use is the one that you'll bite. He'll keep trying another one, another one, until you bite. And guess what? We don't have to bite it. We don't have to take the bait. We don't have to be offended. We can walk in love and forgiveness. Amen. Amen. So we need to be aware of ways we're being tempted to be offended and aware so we can practice a lifestyle of forgiveness, a lifestyle of checking your heart with God. Am I offended? God, has my heart become hardened because of what happened here or because of what happened here or what didn't happen there? Or this person didn't say this, or didn't thank me, or they didn't show gratitude, or whatever. It's a whole variety of things, but we have to take our heart to the Lord so he can keep it tender, and that will keep us from being offended with people, and keep our heart and our love on, and our forgiveness on. Amen? Like, Pastor, that sounds like a lot to do. It can be. If you're starting today, day one, it can be a process, and depending on what kind of people you've come into, and met, and been offended with. But Jesus loves you so much he wants to deal right down to the motives of your heart of why you do what you do. Not because of so much of a sin issue as much as it is he wants you to be free. He doesn't want you to be in bondage to what someone else thinks or feels or says about you. Amen. 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 Why don't you guys stand? I'm going to bless you guys and pray for the food.
You're invited to stay, whether you brought food or not, or you knew about it, or you didn't hear about it, you're invited to stay and come and eat with us and fellowship together. God, I thank you for your word. Um, It's so relevant to today and every day. I pray, God, you would expose in our hearts areas where we have been offended with family, our friends, our co-workers. And God, I pray you'd give us the guts, the bravery to do something about it, to make it right, to not just think time heals all wounds, but to make it right by asking forgiveness or whatever we need to do as you lead, God. You do not desire us to have a hard heart, but a soft and tender heart towards you and people. So your love can flow through us freely towards yourself and towards mankind. So God, I just thank you for each one here. I do pray you would stir them up to good works. And the good work I'm for today is love and forgiveness. And tending to our hearts, because out of our hearts flow the issues of life. And God, I thank you for the food today that was prepared for us and brought in from different people. Pray you bless the hands, prepared it, and bless the food to our bodies. I just thank you for your goodness in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. God bless you guys.